What's up, everybody? This is Tanner from TanManBaseballFan.com. Hope everybody's doing well out there. Um, just uh, have a lot on my mind as far as, uh, you know, obviously baseball cards go. Like, what else is uh, is new, right? I mean, I always think about uh, about baseball cards in some way, shape, or form. Um, I've uh, been kind of reflecting a little bit on uh, the past, like how I got here. Um I've been talking to a few people, uh, and, and one friend also uh, earlier today, just about how strange it is that we are sometimes dealing in cards worth uh, way more than we could have ever have imagined. Like over the past, like you know, five ten years. Like uh, five ten years ago, I would have never have dreamt where uh, you know what kind of cards we deal with now as far as value goes. And I've been thinking like, what's that attributable to? And uh, you know, so thinking back on when I first started buying and selling collections, I am not sure if this is actually the first collection I bought as, a, uh, uh, as an adult, uh, but it does stick out to me. And uh, I remember exactly, uh, you know, where the deal was because it was actually in my neighborhood. There was a person that I think they probably posted something on Craigslist when Craigslist was still something, right? And he had baseball cards and football cards and I'd imagine some basketball cards too. All I really remember was the baseball and football. Didn't know much about the football, but I do know that he was asking something like $300 for the entire run for the entire collection and uh, <laughs> that was big 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 money uh, for me back then and you know to think like at least in this hobby you know like regardless $300 is a lot of money um, no matter how we you know whatever way you cut it but for this collection in particular I was thinking man I don't know and I'm like biting my nails. I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I don't know. And so I started uh, negotiating and finally got him down to like 225. And I think that's kind of where we were. Maybe he wanted 225 and I got him down to 150 or something. I don't remember. Uh, but, but remembering that I had like this kind of uneasy feeling. Like, am I going to be able to make my money back? And that's kind of where the process started of me realizing that knowledge is truly power. And that's why I always uh, talk about on this podcast that if you're getting into a different sect of the hobby, a very, very important thing for you will be to research the heck out of whatever you're trying to do. You have all the tools out there at your disposal to become a black belt in knowledge of whatever sect you want to attack. And so after doing a lot of buying and selling over the years, I remember actually talking to somebody, uh, they asked me, they go, Hey, um, how much do you think you've made, uh, selling baseball cards? I said, I, I don't remember exact numbers. I think I told them, I was like, uh, yeah, I've made $20,000. And this was like over the course of several years, I was proud of it at the time. You know, I was, <laughs> I was uh, proud of it because, uh, number one, I, I still feel like I should have been proud. Uh, but number two, 
because uh, I was making money off of a hobby that I loved. And uh, they looked at me strangely and go, oh, that's all? I thought you have made way more than that. And so, of course, along with that goes like, you know, makes you feel, Ugh, you know, <laughs> maybe I'm not doing what I should be or whatever, you know, or, or uh, maybe I should be doing better. And, uh, but in the end, um, you know, I realized that it just took time and the more knowledge that I gained on what cards sell for and, you know, what might happen to the hobby, the market, uh, you know, I guess, uh, gaining more relationships with people, networking, that sort of thing, uh, you know, is able to grow exponentially more, uh, than when I first started. And so all of a sudden that $225 collection, uh, that was a humongous deal, uh, back years ago nowadays isn't really anything. And here we are, you know, several, several years later looking at deals that, you know, really kind of make that feel, make that deal feel, you know, kind of microscopic, <laughs> you know, maybe not microscopic, but very, very, very small. And, uh, again, I think a lot of that has to do with, um, practice of buying and selling and knowing what cards are. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting also because as I've kind of grown this thing, I don't even know if I really can call it a thing necessarily because I'm not really sure exactly what I'm growing. It's a, it's a hobby first and foremost I love, but it's something I can make money with off of as well. So it's something that has been really neat where I can see, uh, a hobby and almost kind of like a side business, I guess, grow together. And it's kept everything fun and enjoyable. And not only that, it's allowed me to see value in things, almost kind of like a, uh, you know, a, um, another sense of some sort where, uh, you know, I see something for sale that maybe others don't see. And I think, huh, I can, you know, I can make money off this or, uh, you know, whatever. Like, there's a massive collection I picked up uh, recently that's for sale uh, openly to the public and nobody uh, nobody got it as a matter of fact there are people that were uh, kind of mocking the owner the seller saying you know hey you need to knock your price down quite a bit well I ended up getting it and did really well and uh, you know it's just kind of a kind of a, a fun thing to realize that you know that's a uh, a di the direct reason why that happened is because I knew something that the other people didn't. And <laughs> actually I was talking to a friend the other day as well, uh, who <laughs> picked up a collection and, uh, they were, uh, ridiculed by one of their friends who said, uh, you know, you are, uh, not going to be able to turn a profit on this. And I kind of had to laugh with them and cause we obviously knew that was not true, <laughs> you know? But uh, it's, it's funny because that's how a lot of people see it. They go, there's no way you can make money doing this sort of thing. Or, and it's just because they have a lack of knowledge uh, in that particular arena. And uh, it's, a, it's a fun skill to grow, especially if it is uh, growing alongside with your hobby. 
and uh, it sure is fun. And so <laughs> on top of that, we also have like a record-breaking sale of a baseball card that we just witnessed a few nights ago of uh, an SGC 9.5 1952 Topps Mickey Mantle that sold for $12.6 million. Never would have ever thought I would have seen anything like that. And on top of that, you have, uh, you know, people saying out there that there are not one, not two, but three PSA 10 52 tops mantles. And uh, they're expected to reach even more. I don't know exactly how much more because of the provenance that the SGC 9.5 had is pretty amazing. It was uh, from Mr. Mint's collection and, you know, came with a, a story and that sort of thing. So I don't know exactly how much more of a, a premium uh, PSA 10 would fetch, but, you know, clearly PSA 10 on all accounts, all things, all other things equal, will always beat out an SGC 9.5 um, whenever it comes to uh, a sales price. So either way, if one of those hits the auction block, I would love to see what happens. That would be just an absolutely incredible auction to see. But, you know, we have... Uh, <laughs> We have all kinds of things happening in this hobby these days. And, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to kind of uh, put your focus on a single specific thing because there's so much stuff out there. Even I have a difficult time sometimes uh, trying to figure out what I want to focus on. I want to get back into wax from the 80s. I want to you know, get more of the uh, 80s uh, uh, inserts and the, or the 80s uh, key rookies rather. Um, up to the early 90s. I want to um, get more pre-war and you know, look into some more 19th century things. And, and truth be told, uh, as far as, uh, you know, as far as actual uh, cards for my specific collection, um, I've gotten very, very few things uh, in my personal collection or that I picked up uh, like, I, I think maybe I've had, I don't know, if I had to guess, maybe I've picked up five cards or so in the past year. I don't know. I, that could be wrong, but I'm <laughs> I'm thinking that might be right. And so nothing like really significant. So, you know, gone are the days of me getting several cards each day uh, in the mail. <laughs> you know, it was fun. It was fun while that lasted for sure. But uh, as I've, as my... Uh, tastes have changed dramatically uh, which I've enjoyed by the way I love changing course all the time uh, I found out that it takes a lot for me to get excited about a card but when I do I really get excited and I really want to go after it whatever it is and so that frankly just hasn't happened recently uh, and so that's not to say there isn't anything else out there for me. There's a lot out there for me that I'd love. Uh, just nothing's really hit recently that I've seen that I've just fallen in love with. And, you know, I do have some friends that they, uh, they're continually, uh, you know, chipping away at their collections and, you know, they're picking up cards every single day and uh, it's fun, you know. <laughs> I love seeing people grow their collections to the way that they want it to. I love seeing... Uh, collections, you know, kind of be an offshoot of a person's personality and their collecting habits and their thing. And so 
uh, you know, even going to uh, going back to this this one collection I just picked up uh, a couple months ago. It's the Gary Carter collection that uh, that I posted about probably a handful of times over the past couple months. Uh, it is so fun to be able to get inside the head of a bona fide super collector that had built something amazing, like incredible. And as I was going in there and digging in to the collection, I found myself enamored and falling in love with like a handful of the cards of Gary Carter. I never really gave him much of a thought before. And, uh, but being, uh, excited about uh, the type of person he was and the amazing career he had and all these highlights and you know the ups and I don't really want to say downs I didn't really hear about too many downs but a lot of ups and you know just incredible stories and, and just thinking about like what was behind these cards and it got me a, a, to feel uh, something really neat that I had only felt before with uh uh, Canseco cards. Not not for me personally, not that I want to go out and start super collecting Gary Carter or anything like that. I don't, I don't know if I'll ever buy another Gary Carter card. Uh, but um, to be able to get a sense of other people out there uh, collecting their guy as hard or harder as I did mine and getting the satisfaction I did and hitting those highs and lows and everything in between. Uh, it's fun. I think that's, uh, <laughs> that's why I think we just got the greatest hobby in the world. I mean, it's, it's really fascinating to me, uh, all of the different little universes we can jump into and we can get uh, excited about. I was talking to another friend um, the other day who told me that he was uh, wanting to buy three boxes of 89 Donruss and put together a set. And I told him, I was like, well, shoot, I've got three boxes I might be willing to sell. And then after I started thinking about it, I was like, well, <laughs> man, <laughs> he's got a great idea. Maybe I want to open these boxes and put together a set, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I haven't put together a set in forever. Uh, the problem is, is the boxes of 89 Donruss, I mean, you know, they're, you know, 30, 35 bucks now each. Uh, so, you know, you're looking at hundred dollars at least to put together a set um, if uh, it takes three boxes to do which it very well could I would imagine it probably would actually each box has 36 packs and I think they've got 15 cards each which is you know 540 or so cards per box and so you're looking at you know 15 1600 cards and the set of 89 donors has 660 plus I think the uh, the bonus MVP cards, I think there's probably, I'm guessing guys, like 12 or so of them. And so, uh, you know, you're looking at, you know, probably 672 cards that you're looking to, to do. So that's like, you know, a third, uh, more than a third of all the cards in those three boxes have to be uh, unique, basically. You know, you have to have like one of each at least. And so um, I would hope that three boxes would do it. But in any event, it's hard to think of it that way now because I remember when these boxes were like 10 bucks each. And I mean, you know, how you could get like the complete set of uh, $89 for $10 or something, you know, $10, $15. I don't know how much a set runs now. 
I would imagine it's probably probably a little higher than 10 or 15, but I don't know. What I do know is the wax is significantly higher than it was. So in deciding to bust three boxes open to put together a set is obviously a money losing endeavor and is all about experience. It's all about reliving uh, that childhood memory of opening these packs like uh, week after week and then accumulating uh, you know, a critical mass of $89 where you start thinking, hmm, maybe I've got a set. Maybe I've close to set. And then you spend all this time getting them in order and pulling out a paper and pencil and writing down the numbers of the cards that you, uh, that you need to complete the set. And then going forward, buying a pack here and there and uh, opening a box here and there and then, uh, you know, uh, reaching out to your friends with that, you know, checklist in your hand and, uh, and crossing them off one at a time. I mean, that's a, uh, that's a great memory that I have. And it's a, it's a fun thing to do. So I'm seriously considering uh, breaking the boxes open myself instead of selling them. Uh, what am I going to do with a set of 89 donors? I don't know. Maybe sell it for 25 bucks <laughs> when, when all said and done. I don't know. Uh, but I'll probably do it on YouTube, I'd imagine. I'd like to be able to document the process. And you know, it's just a, a fun thing. It's kind of funny because, like, you know, you have on one end of the spectrum, uh, you know, given all this knowledge that I've kind of acquired, to be able to pick up some pretty big ticket cards and you know, be able to turn them for profit and that sort of thing. And yet the allure of, uh, of putting together by hand an A9 Donruss set, all the way down to the Gary Sheffield Ray rookie, to the Sid Bream base card, to the Kurt Schilling rookie, uh, so on and so forth. Um, and hoping and praying that the doubles are of Ken Griffey Jr. and Jose Canseco and uh, Randy Johnson and Craig Biggio, you know, so that way you can put one separately in a binder and, you know, maybe trade the rest or something. Man, what a neat, what a fun thing. What a fun thing to be able to open up uh, or have the boxes in front of you and go back to a time when you were a kid and flip the top open and open up every single pack realizing there's not going to be any gem uh, chase cards or any serial numbered cards in the United Donruss. You're not going to find anything super rare. You know, the, I guess the best thing that you can hope for now is you can uh, look for, uh, hope for some like a gem mint uh, cards that are gradable. Yeah, I don't ever see myself sending in United Donruss cards to be graded. Um, but just being delighted when you find a uh, Bo Jackson in the middle of uh, you know a pack, and uh, you know even a Nick Asaski or something. If you have a fun story best with him, or an Oral Hershiser, Kurt Gibson. I mean, you know, like there's there's so many uh, so many neat cards. And plus, let me tell you the the box design, the pack design, the card design, all of the design work 
all the artwork for $89 is just great. You know, it's always fun to look at. Very aesthetically pleasing, uh, in my opinion. So, anyways, <laughs> it's just kind of funny. It's just kind of funny that you can uh, be super excited and in to really high-end, like, 19th century cards. And, you know, Ty Cobb, like, the newer, the early 20th century stuff also. Ty Cobb, Shields Joe Jackson, but still be happy. Still get giddy about the A9 Donner's uh, Dave Henderson. You know, I mean, just like, <laughs> what a great hobby we have, you guys. Like, what a great hobby we have. Just such a neat thing. And, uh, you know, I'm sure there's probably uh, something, if you all do this, to even open a box, like a single box, 88 score, 90 score, 90 upper deck, whatever it is, that cheap box. I'm sure you'll have tons of memories and tons of fun. The thing is, for me, it's difficult to realize, okay, I'm going to kind of destroy the resale value <laughs> just for uh, for enjoyment. Because a lot of times when you have a business mind with your hobby, that kind of keeps you, like it, it, it constrains you within certain parameters to make sure that you don't uh, lose money. And that's kind of been my MO. That's how I have collected for the most part. Um, but, you know, maybe every now and then it's okay to, to kick back and slip back into nostalgia and uh, uh, quote unquote waste some money uh, to relive your childhood. And, uh, you know, hopefully you can end up making a complete set and, you know, see it all the way through, meaning that the set goes into uh, pages in a binder. And then you can use that binder of a complete set to go through the cards and look through them and enjoy them with your kids or whatever. You know, as I'm talking, I'm starting to think through some things. I'm having a fun time thinking, man, maybe I'm going to uh, actually go through with this and you know enjoy going through the pages and see if Beckett and our uh, new kiddo on the way is going to enjoy the set as well. Uh, Atticus, well, he loves you know he loves cards also. He doesn't really collect them, but he always gets a kick out of them too. So I'm sure he'll love looking through these also. Uh, but anyways, I don't think Holly will. <laughs> I don't think Holly will enjoy too terribly much going through a binder full of 89 dollars, but. I'll tell you something, I think every single page uh, for me, for $89 dollars will be enjoyable. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I really think it will. So and I guess part of it also is I've never really had that urgency uh, to pick up you know, any amount of $89 dollars cards because they're always gonna be out there. But the problem is, is kind of the narrative has changed a little bit in the past couple of years since COVID. The cards, the junk wax era cards have kind of gone up a little bit and always makes you wonder how high they're going to go. I mean, why not, right? Everything else is going up high. Um, so <laughs> I guess that's just kind of part of it, I suppose. But anyways, I guess that's enough rambling for me. I don't really know exactly what the, <laughs> what the main reason was for me to first start talking. That's right. I think it was just uh, talking about how knowledge is power. You know, you, it, when you uh, gain knowledge, when you acquire knowledge on a certain uh, sect of the hobby, you can uh, do amazing things like it will show you things that you will have never have dreamed of before and uh, you know I think that's probably one of the things that's always you know kind of kept me up at night is that on eBay right now on Facebook right now Instagram Twitter 
all of social media, there are insane deals to be had. The only problem is, number one, your eyeballs are not on it. And number two, if your eyeballs were on it, you may not be able to tell if it's a good deal or not. If you keep your eyes peeled and you acquire the knowledge that you need, then you can find like treasures all over the place on the internet, even possibly in your neighborhood. So anyways, that's all I have for tonight. Thanks for listening as always. Hope you have a great day.